Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up on deck, we got Thaddeus Big Baby Delaney. Um, in our conversation, you know, was, you know, had a lot of a lot of good times in school. We had a lot of good times talking about it on the podcast. Um, but one thing, one nugget that I got out of it that you athletes need to pay attention to is that when you're in school and uh, those uh, subjects are being offered, take advantage of them. You know what I mean? Because as he said, like he said, he got in um, to a foreign country and, um, and the language barrier was a problem. So, just think about it as a player, if you're trying to figure out certain languages and the coach is calling the play and you can't adapt to that, that could that can be problematic for you. So learning different languages is very important. Preparation is very important. Um, let's get into the interview. Yeah, long time, bro. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. You doing all right? Yeah, man. I'm trying to hold them in the road. You know how it go. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you got a little. See, I think I, mine coming. I think yours already there. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> I got a little. Yeah, I got a little yeah, it's coming. But yeah. um, but yeah, I appreciate you. You know, being on my on my podcast, man. This is a uh, triple threat with your male president, where we got good news, good vibes all the time, baby. That's our tagline right there. So um. <laughs> We get right into it, man. You know, uh, the notes we talked about, um, you know, part of the podcast is talking to, you know, sports, um, community, and education, just getting more feedback on student athletes about those three things. So we get right into it, you know, being a, a Columbia native, you know, all of us grew up playing in parks and, you know, why not? Talk about some of the parks and um, some of the rivalries like you coming up. Like, what are some of the major parks? What are some of the, the places y'all go for runs? When you when you started to really you know what I'm saying being that budding star from Eau Claire. Well, for me, my home park was Hyatt Park. You know what I'm saying that's where that's where you earned your stripes, so to say. Uh, we had a lot of the old school guys down there that they, they, you know rough you up a little bit and you know kind of teach you the ropes. Right. I mean, but me and my guys, we, we played at Hyatt Park. We went to Meadow Lake. We was St. Andrews. I mean, we, we was out throughout the city, you know, playing different parks. So it didn't matter. We'd load up the car and ride anywhere in the city. Right. And, you know, that's that's not happening right now. You know what I mean? The parks are empty. The gyms are dead. You know what I mean? Especially right now, since there are no gyms available, since the parks should be flooded with kids. But, you know, that's another story. But I just, you know, I, I love to talk about the times where, in our era, how we came up. You know what I mean? Um, right. Talk about that transition from the parks and when you – when did you know that you was going to be like, you know, playing for Old Clear? What was your dream and aspirations when you started? <clears throat> Probably my freshman year in high school. I mean, I, 
I started out at Eau Claire. Um, I played JV my freshman year, and then my sophomore, junior, senior year, I played varsity. But, you know, in the city at that time, Eau Claire ran the city. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was my dream to play there. So when it was my time to, you know, get on varsity, you know, I was ready for it because, you know, I, I came, you know, behind the guys like Derek Cow, like Joe Red, Pete Faust, Bear Manning, Nate, all those guys, man. They left a legacy, man. We were just trying to hold the court down, you know, maintain what they had already started. Right, right. Yeah, you you named some names there, bro. Like, and all them guys, a couple of them went to USC and and, and did some damage there as well, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. So, um. So who were who were your like you, you say when when it was your time, you like you know junior senior year. When did you really explode? When did you really like, you know, start getting some looks and start turning heads? When did that happen? Um, you know, with playing with like Buzz from the College of Charleston, but playing with Buzz and Derek and you know a lot of those older guys. Um, you know, a lot of recruiters used to come into our gym and watch us play like during the summertime and stuff. So you know, guys that was underclassmen, we would get looks off of the upperclassmen. So oh. it wasn't a thing for us to see a Pat Kennedy or a John Chain in our gym or something during the summertime wow. checking the older guys out. And I think maybe my sophomore going into my junior year, um, I started to get looks and just playing on the AAU circuit, you know, picking up some recognition during the summertime and, you know, playing with guys like Marvin Orange from Earlboy and then like, Guys from Keene and guys from Lower Michigan. I mean, we, I mean, we had a lot of talent in the city at that time. So you, yeah, you had to go get it. Yeah, you man, you named some names. Marvin Orange went to Alabama. Hey, you know we spanked Alabama when Marvin Orange was on the team. They had like three, uh, three first yeah. rounders. They, they came to Charleston one year. We played them. I think it was my sophomore year, and we we gave them the business. Right, right. Well, we got plenty of those that we did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, those names, man. Marvin Orange. I remember those. I remember those names. Um, so what? Take me into the recruiting time when you start getting noticed, start getting recognized. What are some of the colleges that you know, like that were looking at you? And give me some 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 of those recruiting war stories. And then what led you to the college? <clears throat> Well, I was getting recruited by a lot of D1s, mid-majors, um, and I actually took an official visit to East Carolina, USC, even though they're right in my backyard. I took an official visit to South Carolina and um, the College of Charleston, um, but I had other schools looking at me, And but the decision-maker, the deciding factor for me coming to the College of Charleston was, you know, I love the city, love the campus, and then it didn't hurt that my man Buzz was already down there, so he kind of you know, showed me the ropes while I was down there on my visit. And uh, and the rest is history, man. Like I said, I fell in love with the city, the culture staff. I remember Grace and Marsh used to come to my high school games and stuff like that. And I think they came to check me out in the state championship game. So, I mean, it was cool. Right, right. And you can't help being in the city. It's 7-1 it's down there. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> that's, a, that's, another, that's another story. But, you know, me as me being a, a high senior, senior in high school, and um, you know, we I got to school that day, and it was like, man, we about to we about to watch this Wake Forest and cause a Charleston game, and they about to like I can't go to math my like eighth period. I'm like, dude, he said I'm already on the line of not playing this year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my grades is shot. Y'all talking about cutting down schools and watch the game? Okay, right. But um. We watched the game, man. And listen, I tell you, bro, you know, 
I was heavily recruited. I didn't have no schools at that time, but I was still heavily recruited. And, mm -hmm. um, man, I saw you gave Tim Duncan the business. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, at that time, local colleges wasn't on TV like that. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, we had to go. We had to see. We had to see other colleges, Clemson, USC, play on on J, JP Sports and other you know other stations like that. But NCAA, they kind of mm -hmm. give us some, some some local love. So now I got that, and I saw that. Like, man, I'm like, where's the college in Charleston? I'm like, it's right there. Like, I didn't even. It wasn't even adapted to me. But man, y'all showed out. Y'all put us on the map. So that led to my decision making. So you know. Every segue into that part of it. Tell us about you know some of those your experience at at, at the college of Charleston. Like I mean, we had we we shared big wins together, but give me some some experiences where you know like like you're glad you you, you made a decision. Man, look here. From the day I stepped on campus, I was <laughs> I was just you know excited because at the time College of Charleston was just making a transition from. NAIA to Division One, so I wanted right. to be part of you know that transition. And you know, Coach Crash and I knew him and his staff were taking the guys in the right direction. And you know, my first year, you know, it started out. I think I came off the bench, and then you know, as the season progressed, I, I you know got into the lineup, and then we started to make moves. Um, but you know, the older guys like Marcus Woods, Buzz, Pat King, Ken Ward. Even Roller Crookshank, you know, Dean Dunbar, Rusty Palmer, all those guys, you know, they, you know, they took me under their wing and they showed me the way. And then, like I said, we got rocking and rolling like midway through the season, went on that win streak. And then, you know, we get into the tournament. And then, you know, every game I played at the College Shots, and I always knew I had a chance to win. And even that Wake Forest game, man, we was out there. I mean, we were sticking with the, hey, them boys, they was the, you know, the big boys of the ACC. So it was never sure. a game that I played in at the College Shots that I felt that. You know, we were the underdog. Like I say, from the the Yukons, the Alabamas, the Syracuses, the Stanfords, Alabama, anybody. Like I say, when I stepped on the floor, I knew I had a chance. Like I say, with my guys that I played with all four years. In our timeout session today, we got Reverend Dallas H. Wilson. And your transition from New York to South Carolina, what was that embryo vision, and and how did that how did that occur? Did it happen when you got here in in, in South Carolina, or what happened prior to you leaving New York? No, what happened to me prior to leaving New York? Um, a vision is really interesting. Again, biblically, let me share with that first, and understanding where I'm coming from. Uh, Habakkuk two talks about the vision, and you have to write the vision plainly so that people can lead the vision and run with the vision. It's not just you having a vision and being able to articulate it verbally and the vision dies in the air, but it's to be able to write the vision down where people can look at it for eons, decades to come in the future and be able to replicate those same things. Uh, I want to be able to say in all honesty, I wish that it was an original idea uh, of me writing the vision for midnight basketball, or writing the vision for our leadership or some of the other things that we did when no one else in this town was doing anything like that. Now let's get back to the interview. Right, and that, and that leads to, you know, 
the, the direction of, you know, Crest, man. Like, I, was, I tell people all the time, in our meetings, man, we had to be meetings at 7.13. You know what I mean? 7.12. Like, how are you going to be late for that? You know what I'm saying? How are you going to be late for those times? So I got some, 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 some um, things I want to share. Like, for example, a big, one of my biggest wins, I want to hear your biggest win, but my biggest win was uh, when Central Florida came, came down to us. I think it was my, had to been your senior year, so it had to been my sophomore year. And we mm-hmm. was down in Central Florida, and Carlos Arroyo and Roger Bell was down there. Right? Was, that, was you on that team? Right. And, and Carlos Arroyo did the, did the whoever you want to do with me down there in Florida, right? And all y'all got on me, man. All y'all got on me. And um, i never forget, it was a Saturday game because we played at 12 o'clock Saturday on TV because that was, that was the mm-hmm. conference champion game. Conference championship. Right. I went to bed at 8 o'clock Friday night because I, I was like, that's not happening again. And that was one of the best games of, that, I, that I had. And mm-hmm. a personal uh, accolade that I want to share is that I never lost a conference, a conference game or a conference championship game, right? Never did. Every conference, every conference tournament we win, we walked the dog in the conference and we won every championship. And this is to that, we went, I went 16-0 in the conference, in the Southern Conference in, in our senior year. So that's, 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 that's good stuff. What you got? <laughs> hey, I don't have those type numbers because you know uh, I mean, you know, know. That, that's that's our numbers. We share those numbers though. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, I took a few L's, but it, it wasn't many. It was far in between. Like I say, I was blessed to come from a high school like Eau Claire that was like a dynasty back then, and then transition over to the College of Charleston, where, like I say, we didn't lose a lot of games, man. I mean, that's that was from my freshman year to my senior year. You can count them on one hand the losses that we had. So I got twelve. I think I got. I think I was. I think we were 70, 75 and twelve. I think. If I right. Can, you know something like that. So that's twelve games, four games a season, bro. Like who, who, who can beat that? Right, and you playing top notch competition. But like I'm gonna get back on the story because here's a story, another <laughs> story. We're traveling to Southeast Louisiana. <laughs> we're trying to southeast Louisiana we were like 13 or either 13 or 14 on the conference at that time like we're, yeah. we're killing the conference right mm-hmm. and what's that what's the little what's the little kid the little guard Troy's the little guard name down there some Alexander Jason Alexander I wouldn't it was Troy I don't know like, I remember his name anyway we go in there and we ride on the bus <laughs> late night and we get hungry and mind you Man, we're, we're winning. Like, we're tired of SNS cafeteria. We're tired of Hardy's biscuits. Like, we're tired <laughs> of that. Like, we're talking to other people on other teams. Like, we are eating. Man, we had steak. We had this. We're like, bro, we ain't getting that. We're like, are y'all crazy? So, <laughs> we pulled up on the bus about 10 something. Everybody about to close. And Coach Chris is like, all right, y'all, get off. Let's, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I got my headphones on. I took my headphones off to hear what Coach was saying. I think y'all guys are front. All I heard was, we're not getting up the bus. I'm like, <laughs> okay. We, we want steak and shrimp. We ain't getting up the bus. I was like, that's what's up. So 10 minutes later, Coach Chris come on the bus. I'm like, 
Got y'all stinking shrimp? You better win tomorrow. <laughs> and we also got our stinking shrimp the next day, too. We got our, we got our, we got our behinds kicked the next day, right? <laughs> but, hey, but I appreciate you, big man. Ever since then, we've been eating good. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, hey, man, it's the, it's the, it was the principle behind the whole meal thing because, you know, before we left Charleston, it was told to us that we were having steak and shrimp, steak and shrimp before when we got down to uh, Louisiana. So when they said get off the bus, I'm like, hold up, no, we're not getting off those cafeteria <laughs> again. I'm like, nah, we're not doing that. And I was like, don't get off this bus. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what's saying. Guess what? Ain't nobody moved. Nah, we, we went in all these, hey, we went in all these games. We won't steak and shrimp tonight. <laughs> That's what's up. And, they, and ain't nobody moved, yeah. bro. So you know, like. And we can talk about playing times, all the good times we had. I mean, you talk about the players and, and the bond and the, and the and the friendship we made just from those times. You know, um, you talk about um, Coach Grace, uh, Dwayne Grace, who's you know good friends, who was a great coach. Greg Marshall, who's had a tremendous career, um, you know, doing this thing. Uh, coach Yarborough, um, who who actually recruited you to come at that time? I w- I think it was Coach Grace. Coach Grace, either him or Coach Marshall. Because, like I said, I, re- I can recall seeing both of them at, you know, some point in one of my high school games. So, it, I guess, I'm, I'm going to say it was Coach Grace, though, because, you know, Coach Grace, he he kind of showed me around when I came out on my official visit, him along with Buzz, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Coach Grace. Hey, Coach Grace, Grace is my man. Look at him. Yeah, he's a good dude, man. Good Real dude. good dude, man. I, I got a funny story about him, too. Like, we, we're riding on the bus, and um, the music is playing, right? So mm-hmm. music kind of loud, and you know, you know, Grace always trying to wait, trying to find a f- way to fit in, right? Right, right. Like, yeah, man, I, I like that. Yeah, that's my man right there. Oh yeah, who's that? <laughs> he, <laughs> he didn't know who it was, but he was just trying to find a way to get in and click. Yeah. In. He's the first one that back then stopped eating meat, eating halibut, and and all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was, like, on that stuff early, you know? And, and, right. and I'm, that coaching staff, even with the coaching staff, we laugh at Joe because Coach Crest would dangle that carrot between his players. Like, you walk in the room film time, and you got parentheses on the board, and you got one, two, three, four, five, and you, Stacy, and who, Rod? Like, three, four, five is already set. Like, that's that's already said on two, on two, four, five. So we know at practice that day we got to kill each other to get into that spot because he dangled that carrot yeah. that way. And he did the same thing with coaches. Mm-hmm. Like that's why the coaches and all that y'all borrow and and um and Marshall got into it all the time because Coach Crest always had them going at it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. it was a great tactic. That we he he got the best out of his players and coaches all the time. Oh, yeah. Man, Coach Crest, like I said, he he, man, he's an excellent coach. Like I say, coming from Eau Claire, I was used to the discipline side of basketball. But when I got to the College of Charleston, it was more like the X's and O's. Cause I mean, he crossed his T's and dotted his eyes. I'm talking about we knew the opposition game plan like to a T. Like we we could run their plays in our head before they run their <laughs> ran their plays. So man, they did their research, their homework when it was time to do the scouting report on every team we played. Right.
A training session with Jermel is designed to work on the skills at the level that's unique to your student athlete. I'm interested in my athlete's development uh, just because I know he loves the game of basketball and I want him to be able to play on a school team, in a school sport, or possibly on a travel team. Hey there, I'm Heather Ackerman. I have two children that have been trained with Jamel for the last two to three years, and we've had a wonderful experience. My kids have learned a lot and have absolutely loved training with him. My son and daughter have been training with Jamel for a couple of years now, and we've certainly seen a significant amount of development in their basketball skills during the training sessions, uh, but it's also carried over to things they do at home, both in their own um, exercising and basketball training, as well as uh, crosses over into school. Raising a student athlete is just as important as being one. So that discipline and X's and O's that you learn from, you know, both coaches, and I know your, your daughter is, is, is a, an active student athlete right now. Um, mm -hmm. How do you take some of those, those, those life lessons, um, things you've learned, how do you implement that with, you know, in, in, in teaching her and, and, and getting her geared up ready for college? Hey, it's a struggle sometimes, especially dealing with females, you know what I'm saying? Because my daughter, she's a sophomore in high school, and I literally tell her every time, like, listen, <clears throat> I've been where you're trying to go. I'm really a cheat sheet for you. I, I'm oh. trying to tell you everything that's that's what's gonna go happen. So if you listen, you, you know you you'll be all right. But just trying to instill in her like with as far as being disciplined, being on time for practice and stuff like that, being prepared, you know, working hard, just the everyday everything in general, man. Because like I say, basketball, I've been blessed. You know, where basketball was able to take me all around the world on somebody else's dime. Like I said. I played in the Philippines, I played in Spain, Australia, um, Chile, Argentina. I mean, if you use basketball, don't let it use you. Basically right. what I, I like to say. You know what I'm right. saying? Because you can get a lot out of basketball if you do what you're supposed to do. Right. And, and that's a good segue into my next question is that I talked to a lot of high school players, a lot of college that want to <clears throat> play college, want to be a student athlete, but they don't know the regimen that, that, goes, that goes into that. And you talk – this is – the smallest thing about being on time, about showing that you're prepared, showing that you're ready. All those things are important. Um, <clears throat> share with the viewers, like, just a couple experiences that you experienced overseas. Like, because me as a player, I, I, I played in Mexico, Canada. I never, I never, I mean, I think I was a okay player, but I never got to that point where I could play overseas and make a lot of money doing it and experience those those still different cities and, and countries. So give us an insight on, on, on some of the things, the food, the, the culture, some of the experiences that, that, you, that you've encountered. Like the, the first country I went to was Turkey. I was playing in Istanbul, Turkey. And the coach I had, I'm like, yeah, you got paid, but if you wasn't on time for practice, I, I want to say it was like a thousand dollar fine, stuff like that. So I, even from when I was in college, I like to be on time. I mean, I know it was a couple instances where I wasn't on time. In college. <laughs> you, ran, you ran your own time, bro. <laughs> you had that time. You know what I'm saying? And that's just and hey, like hey, and that was a and that was a okay, bro. 
Just <laughs> stuff like that, being punctual, stuff being on time, as far as with practices, being ready to go when you got to practice, and just, I mean, like, I think the only country, like, say for instance, I played in Spain for two years, but you know, my first year in Spain. Well, let me back it up a little bit. You know, in high school, I took Spanish, college, I took Spanish, so but really didn't pay attention because I'm like, man. What, what I need Spanish for? I'm not going to Spain or Mexico or nothing like that. Lo and behold, where I end up playing at <laughs> in Spain. So, you know, just the language barrier there my first year, but then according to my second year, or the latter part of my first year, and going into my second year, I was able to, you know, speak Spanish a whole lot better than what, what I did when I initially got over there. So just that. And then the food, I mean, a lot of the countries, they have – they have pretty good food, man. I mean, I didn't have any issues. A lot of times I cooked at my apartment or, you know, sometimes I went out to eat or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, man, some of my best times, man, I'm talking about playing overseas, but, you know, it was great. I mean, even though a lot of times you're going away from your family for like six to nine months, I mean, my, my first year I got adjusted to that. So I come home for like summertime, get back on the plane and go back overseas and, you know, play those nine months and then come on back. So it was all cool. Right. Good evening, everyone. Andy Pruitt with you. There is a new movement in the local basketball community, thanks to College of Charleston Athletic Hall of Famer Jermel President. It's called the Oatmeal Recipe. The goal? Improve the chances of kids in our area playing at higher levels of the sport by making sure they are well-rounded. Follow the person in front of you. Do what the person in front of you does. Most athletes' metabolism so fast. Right, we burn it off so fast. So what the oatmeal does is kind of give that metabolism something to eat on. And Jamel President believes athletes need more to eat on than just talent. The former Burke standout says so many low country basketball players from poor neighborhoods aren't receiving the training in fundamentals, academics, and nutrition. The oatmeal recipe is a program to help change that. In closing, you know, something that I've, you know, designed is called the oatmeal recipe. And the oatmeal recipe is, is basically nutrition, education, and skill development. <clears throat> and you, and you, look, you look at those three ingredients, those are three ingredients that we need as a student athlete to sustain. And not only as a student athlete, I think as a professional, you need those three ingredients. So I want to go through those three ingredients and get your input on what <clears throat> those three ingredients mean to you. Let's start, let's start with uh, skill development. You got to work on your craft. That's, that's, I tell my daughter that, well, well both my daughters, my, my youngest, my baby, she's in the seventh grade. So she, she's been playing AAU for a couple of years, but she's getting ready to start playing middle school. So I try and tell them, just work on your craft. If it's, even if it's just ball handling, you going outside in the driveway, you know, handling the ball for 10 or 15 minutes, or however amount of time, just work on your craft. And for us, form shooting, I'm going to trip you out. My daughter, she's been doing workouts in Charlotte. It's the Charlotte Fort Mill area, but it's, it's a gym up there. Um, and I think it's some kind of affiliate, some kind of way affiliate with Steph Curry. So we was up there this past weekend, and we go in the gym, and there's a young lady in there shooting. She's um, she's finishing her workouts, and she, the guy who's training her, she's shooting like he's telling her to make ten threes in a row. She makes ten, so he tells her to keep going. I sat and counted. She made 25 threes in a row from the top of the key. <clears throat> so when she was, she winded down and she, I think she walked, you know, near where I was standing at. 
I said, um, I actually did some play in high school college. She said she's a senior in high school. So I said, okay, cool. And I didn't pay no, pay no mind to her. So I asked the guy who was training, I said, well, where does that young lady play at? He said, she plays in DC. He said, um, her name is Azzy Fudd. She's the number one high school girls player in the country for the 2021 class. <laughs> and I'm talking about, she was in there working on her craft and look here, she can stroke that thing. Mm, mm, mm. She's she down in, in Charlotte working out. Down in Charlotte working out. That's dedication. That's dedication. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Most definitely. My next one is nutrition. I, 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 I think my daughter's is getting better with that, that one because <clears throat> your body's only going to work as good as what you put into it. Like I, I tell her all the time, like, you can't sit around and eat Takis and all this <laughs> hot stuff and crazy stuff that they eat. <laughs> like, they eat all kind of crazy stuff, man. And like I say, if, if you take care of your body, it's going to take care of you. Playing high school and college, I never had an injury. I think I didn't get an injury until wow, like my third or fourth year playing overseas. So I think I tore my MCL. And then when I came back to when I started playing with the MBDL down with the Logators, I think I tore the MCL in my other knee. I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't taking care of my body. I guess my body just said, okay, well, it's, it's time to slow down. Yeah, but um, well, I, that's true. I ain't never, you, I ain't never seen you hurt in college, bro. No, nah. that's, that's true. Hey, you kept me in trouble. You always, I always got suspended <laughs> or stuff for a game. <laughs> that's the only way I was sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so education is the last one, and I say that because I think. My game, my career was limited because I wasn't educated enough <clears throat> on the sport, meaning that I thought it enough to foresee what I wanted to do, but I didn't, I didn't think about it enough as far as numbers-wise. When I say that, I mean like this. I ask players all the time, how would you score 20 points a game? And they'd be like, well, I'll shoot a three. I'll do this. I'll do that. But like, well, what if you miss? What if you don't get the ball? So the easiest way to shoot a to make 20 points a game is you make two layups per quarter. It's four quarters. That's 16 points. Mm -hmm. And then when you got 17 fouls or 10 team fouls, you drive. That's, that's a 20 point, that's effortless 20 point game because with that two points, with that two <clears throat> layups a, a quarter is going to make you do is increase your defense. You're going to look mm -hmm. for passing lanes. You're going to look for steals. You know what I mean? I didn't say don't shoot the ball. So that's also adding to a higher percentage field goal, right? So 20 points a game is easy when you look at it that way. So just give me your input. I know I went on the ramble. Your input on, on, on education um, when you think about that case to the sport. The education, I think it's, it's a whole lot different nowadays than what it was back when we were playing. I mean, I, I know we, you know, we want, we love the game. We play the game a lot, but I think the kids nowadays, like, they want to play the game, but they don't take the time to, you know, actually watch NBA games or WNBA games to, to see the movement and, you know, how fast those young ladies or young men are going in the game. And then, like I say, coming from college to high school, I mean, from high school to college, I was just blessed because you come into two programs where they have a tradition of winning. And Coach Lip was, he was very strict on like teaching the bigs how to play the guard position or how the guards to play the big position. So, I mean, I was able to learn a lot 
about basketball between the two coaches that I had from high school to college. And I, I mean, I, I really loved the game. I mean, I wanted to be better. And I knew, for me, I, I wasn't a big numbers guy in college. I mean, I, I knew I could score or I knew I could, was going to get my buckets. But if I got 10 points and 15 rebounds, I was cool with that as long as we got to win. And so that that didn't, you know, bother me. But, you know, I was surrounded hey man, by a lot of people. You're, you're eighth. You're eighth on the rebound, and now you're second in rebound, and eighth on the scoring list. So you just contradicted yourself a little bit. <laughs> well, look here. I look, but I'm just saying I wasn't offensive minded. Like it wasn't like okay, before, I'm sitting in the locker room. Especially, especially you're getting Jacksonville every four or five games. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm like God, dog. Like it's can we can we. Just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> hey, well, I can only run the plays that the coach called. I mean, I can't. If you thought about, hey, if I didn't shoot, Ryan was going to shoot, or if Ryan didn't, didn't shoot, State was going to shoot, or, or you was going to put it up. So I, they had to get, get in where I fit in. <laughs> and we, we, me and Shake talk about that all the time, bro. Like, once that, I, I, I look at the stats today before I spoke to you, I took seven shots a game. <laughs> like, and that was a lot. Like, that was a lot. Because you mess around, you hit a three, hit another three, think you hot, you hit a, uh, you thinking, oh, shit, Rico about to come out. No, bro, <laughs> you. Coach, I just hit nine in a row. Like, what are you taking me out for? Like, God, I just want to kiss you. But he kept everything even. 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. That was the scoring numbers our senior year. Right. I mean, that's how I was with us. It's not like like me, Aunt Stacey, or Raw. It's not like none of us took like 15, 20 shots a game. I mean, we just, we got in where we fit in. But we, I know me and Rodney, we, you know, all our shots was around the basketball. We had high percentage shots. I mean, Aunt Stacey, they took their threes here and there, but they were going to take the high percentage shots, whether it was off a set play or something they freelanced off of. Nigga, I bucked, you know, listen, I bucked play. I had to, I had to buck the play. At Jacksonville, the Jacksonville, when I run around that baseline, if you look at what, what game was that? That a UMass game in the Coliseum. Like, I had in my mind, if this dude lagging, I'm shooting this because <laughs> I'm not getting it back. You know what I'm saying? I'm not getting it back. But anywho. Well, I mean, hey, you had shaking and Stan and all those guys there. Hey, if you didn't put it up, one of them was going to put it up. Listen, bro. It's, listen, I don't know how that I, I give I give a lot of props to that guy, Coach Kresk. I don't know how he managed all those monsters we had on all those teams. Like everybody wanted the ball, like because everybody could score. Like it's not like. And then the thing about it is that we trusted everybody. So we're like, okay, shit, I ain't gonna score, but shit, he got it. It's okay. Like it wasn't no never animosity about it, but we just wanted the ball too. You know? Hey, it's like like I say, it's. No matter what we had going on outside of the court, when all when when us as a team stepped on the floor, we was going to war. Like I said, I don't care if whoever was me and you was beefing or and uh, Stacey was beefing or whoever was beefing. Like I said, once we stepped inside those lines, hey, we knew a time where we, we was a unit. Right. In our timeout session today, we got. Reverend Dallas H. Wilson. Success to us is finding the will of God for your life. That's success. Um, I see you as being, and I want to and I'll come back to our topic. I see you as being successful. And I see you as being successful because you had uh, the ability to listen 
the ability to hear, and the ability to trust. You know, when we said something, you, you listened to. You didn't say, well, Brother Dallas, I don't want to do that. Not one time. I can say to this audience that listens to you every day, not one time did you ever say anything back to me that was negative. Not one time. And, and you stayed around me very close. You listened very carefully. Uh, you always had the ball game. The ball game, we couldn't give you that. We couldn't do anything with that. But we could put that ball game in a different sphere of influence. And that was very, very important. We had to do that academically. I wanted to say that before we... Now, let's get back to the interview. And you know what? I never, like you said, to your, to your point... I never felt like we were going to lose a game no matter what game you going, we went into, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Because we always want to prove ourselves, being like, okay, these are some big-time schools, but we want to prove ourselves. We got something to prove. So we always played with a, with a chip on our shoulders. Always. Mm-hmm. Always. My, so in closing, I got a, my, my last topic is, you know, last year and a half, um, they finally, <clears throat> finally uh, – gave um, athletes, you know, the right to their name so they can make names and, you know, make money in college. So athletes don't have to steal books and sell them to libraries <laughs> no more. What's your take on, 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 on the NCAA and the government open that, opening up their access for athletes? So you, here's my take on it before you, my take is that I do think athletes should get a stipend per se, let's say, if the total is 50,000, I think as a freshman, you sign for 25, right? And then mm-hmm. once you graduate, you get the other 25. Because there's rules that as a, as a, as a four, years in, four years in high school, you don't work because you you you're working on your craft. Four years mm-hmm. of college, you can't work because you're under a scholarship. So you're eight to 10 years out of the job market. If you don't get a degree, if you don't get a, a, a job graduating as a senior in your college, you're pretty much screwed. So that stipend could help a, a student athlete that graduate and could use that money to carry on. What do you think? I agree with you. I, like I said, I think that that was long overdue because, like you said, here was me walking down King Street and I'm seeing my jersey in the bookstore, but you know I don't get any proceeds from it. Like, And that was crazy to me. I mean – because I came from, you know, a single parent home. You know, my mom was just me and my mom and then my brother and my sister. But, you know, if I was getting a stipend or something like that, you know, I could, you know, send something back home to mom or something like that. But, right. you know, it, it, was, it was, like I say, it's long overdue because they should have been doing it. I mean, granted, you're getting a full four-year scholarship, your education get paid for, but just think about all the money you generate for that university. You think about the times when my freshman year when we played uh, Wake Forest and NCAA. And then you think about my senior year when we went to um, when we played Maryland in the first round. We beat them. Then we go to the next round. That that's more money coming to the university. I mean, you can't get you can't get the kids a little piece of that pie. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and then I looked at you know I talked to Melvin Watson. You know we boys SEC tournament. You know they get we get a duffel bag for SEC tournament. Them guys got walkie talkie like portable TVs. And, all kind of stuff. So I, that's when I really start opening up like, man, like, but then I start understanding the business of it between conferences. You know what I mean? When you look at businesses donating to conferences, then it all start to make sense. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, during that time, uh, we, we kind of got the short end of the stick, but I'm glad that athletes now 
are starting to, you know, get their due for what they, for for the talent they give to the institutions. Right, right. I mean, hey, you, my man Otto German took us for took care of man. He gave us that, got us that big bell grant. So man, we we wasn't all the way in dead in the water. So we got <laughs> we got a little something, but it could have been a little bit more. I mean, hey man, we we sold without a gym. So I mean, we was we was doing it. Yeah, it was it was good times. It was good times. But hey, man, um, you know, I appreciate you, you know, giving me your time on this on this new venture I'm doing this this podcast. I think it's I think, you know, there's a lot of stories, a lot of things out there where um, the community don't know and all, all those things been packed down. So I want to bring some of those, you know, some of those stories up and have some uh, some good times about it. So I appreciate your time, you know, and doing this. Uh, I really appreciate that, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on, having me on, man, and keep doing, you know, what you're doing down there in Charleston. I know you're doing a lot of positive stuff, so, man, keep doing your thing. And if you need sugar to, you know, ride down 26, man, and, and yeah, <laughs> get it right, you know, I'll let your boy. <laughs> so, hey, yo, what's the, uh, what's the car that, what's the car we used to ride in the two store? What's that, uh, what's that, uh, the Desperado? What's that, what's that, the two, the two, the two, uh, what's that, yellow, a, a yellow Buick you used to have? That my green car? That's the green car? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who was it? It was a um, was it a Impala, or, uh, Regal, or something like that? Regal, Regal. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, remember. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's old, old school down there. <laughs> hey, man, that was before I got my expedition. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> you crazy boy. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy boy. <laughs> hey big baby yeah. man, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. Already know, man. Have a good night, big guy. You too, man. All right, peace. All right. Well, there you go, guys. That's our uh segment um interviewing our college collegiate athletes. Uh, coming up next on our premiere interview, we got um Reverend Dallas Wilson. Um, who was crucial for the men at basketball? Crucial for um, putting a lot of a lot of kids out of com- out of this community into into schools um, that earn scholarships through men at basketball and traveling and and all those efforts from Agape Ministries. So um, we thank him for that. So tune in, listen to the stories from that, and um, hope you enjoy that as well. Be right back. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. New York City.